Welcome to Chewing the Fat, broadcasting from Irving, Texas, which is Dallas County, Texas, which has a new district attorney, John Cruzel. John says, you know what? It's all in the name of not criminalizing poverty. But you know what? If you steal something that's less than $750, I'm not going to prosecute. Isn't that nice of him? So, and look, he claims that it's theft of necessary items. So, essential items like food and baby formula. If it's stuff you need, I'm not going to prosecute you. There's just, I just can't have that. I'm not going to arrest, well, we can arrest them, but I'm not going to prosecute them. People that are mentally ill or potentially have threatening behavior because they're giving you disorderly conduct. If they're a little crazy, I'm not going to prosecute those people. I'm not going to prosecute anybody with marijuana possession either. Why did this guy get the job? He has a list of other crimes he doesn't want to see people get arrested or prosecuted for. Criminal trespass, driving while your license is invalid, probation violations, first-time marijuana possession. I mean, if you are living in Dallas County, Texas, or working in Dallas County, Texas, like some of us, I don't know, here in the building of Mercury Studios, and you find yourself needing... Oh, I don't know. A new TV. Uh, Let's say you need a new TV. Go to the store, put it in the shopping cart, and also put some baby food or a package of diapers in the shopping cart and walk out of the store. It's all yours. You're good to go. No problem. I love it. A lot of people don't love it, though. Like uh, the business owners here in Dallas County are very unhappy with the new district attorney. Isn't that what the district attorney is supposed to do? I mean, I'm a fan of not being prosecuted for crimes when it's me being involved, but isn't that what the district attorney is supposed to do is prosecute people who committed crimes. I just, maybe I'm crazy. Uh, Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, we've built a lifetime of shows on television telling us that the police investigate the crimes and the district attorney's office prosecutes the offenders. <laughs> Governor Abbott is also uh, not very happy with district attorney John Cruzo. Um, his tweet, Uh, You're going to refuse to prosecute theft of personal items worth less than $750. If someone is hungry, they can just steal some food. If cold, steal a coat. Where does it end? It's wealth redistribution by theft. So that's what I'm telling you. Don't, you know, you might, look, you might get shot by the store owner. It's possible. But I would say. For that four or five hundred dollar TV and a box of baby food, it's probably worth it.
right, so I had this story uh, in the uh, in the fat pile today uh, during Pat on Leash, and I didn't get to it. Darn the luck, I wish I would have, because uh, I know Stu teased it on uh, the Glenn Beck radio program today, and uh, he knew that I'd be getting to it here on Chewing the Fat. Um, the man in Michigan who was suing his parents, he, uh, he got a divorce, and he moved back in with his parents for about 10 months, and then he... Got a new gig and moved to Muncie, Indiana. He was in Michigan with his parents. Now, he boxed everything up he had, and uh, he had his parents ship his stuff to Muncie, Indiana. But once the boxes arrived in Muncie, he realized that, hey, where are my 10 or 12 boxes of pornography? And the dad uh, was, uh, yeah, no, we did you a big favor. Uh right burn it all now i know that a lot of people would say well maybe that's why i got a divorce uh maybe that's why he had a problem and he was moving back in with his parents first if you've got a divorce and you're going through a tough time uh it's not unusual to move back in with your parents i did uh i moved into my parents house my first divorce but they were gone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were on a they were on a their summer vacation trip so i moved in there for a little while because uh, they weren't there i mean i did move back into their house but then i was like hey uh good to talk to you i'm gonna divorce i'm moving back into your house uh i'll be gone by the time you get back <laughs> and i was i was <laughs> when i moved away from my folks i moved away I was taking care of me but it's not unusual right i mean it happens so I, I don't think that's that big of a deal. He also, he had uh, 400 VHS tapes, 1,600 DVDs, uh, 160 plus CDs. He had uh, some sex toys. And when you look at some of the pictures that he had and some of the titles of the magazines uh, that he had, like uh, Frisky Business and Big Bad Grannies, um, those are collector's editions. I'm sorry. Uh, as a as a uh, former pornography salesperson, uh, years ago I used that's how I made my that's how I made my cigarette money. I've made no. <laughs> I wish I had those magazines. I wish I had those magazines that I sold uh, back in you know a hundred years ago. Uh, those are worth money. Of course, those in today's world, those magazines are worth not. You know, the the new hustlers and playboys and penthouses and whatever other magazines are. There's they're, they're worth nothing because you've got the internet. But the back in the day magazines and VHSs and CDs and different toys, those are worth some money, which he believes were worth about thirty to forty thousand. Now he's selling. He's now suing his parents for eighty-seven thousand dollars, and I would say that's a pretty. I would go for a hundred grand, personally. Now, I you know you can make fun of the guy all you want, and many people will. Uh, Why? Well, because it's, he's it's an easy person to make fun of. You know, a 40-year-old guy, back with his parents. But really, who does his parents think they are? I mean, that's his, that's his merchandise. That's his property. 
Whether mom or dad didn't like the pornography is not the point. The point is box my stuff up and ship it to me. Period. That's an investment. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Now, according, uh, apparently, see, this all started because he, he and his parents, I don't think, get along very well anyway. And so he probably shouldn't have moved back in there with them anyway. He probably should have just got a one-bedroom place and lived because his deal was he was going to move back in with them and clean the house and do domestic chores because he couldn't pay the rent. All right. Maybe he should have sold a couple of magazines, sold a couple of videos. Might have a little cash. Uh, so apparently there was some sort of uh, dispute at the house, and that's when he, the parents finally said, you got to get out. Now, okay, fine, but that doesn't mean you get to destroy my property. I don't care what the property is. We did you a favor. We counted 12 moving boxes full of pornography plus two boxes of sex toys, as you call them. We began that day the process of destroying them. Uh, no. How about, uh, no? How about you just tell me, hey, son, we don't approve, and we really don't want to pay to ship them. You're going to need to come and get them. I'm going to box them up and hide them in the back corner of my attic or garage, but you're not going to destroy my property. I'm sorry. That really, that's really frustrating to me that the the parents just think, oh well, I don't like it, so I get to destroy it. Especially collector edition magazines like that. My gosh, you're never going to get those back. All right, can we get over the dog being rescued? Can we get over that, please? I got it. It's, it's everywhere now. I saw it yesterday. In fact, even, uh, you know, one of our board operators here, the Blaze Radio Network, sent me the story. And and thank you. You know, I appreciate it. But I, And I thought, oh, you know, it's a cute story. I'll, I'll figure out what it is. But, you know, now it's everywhere. So they found a dog. 135 miles from shore in the Gulf of Thailand. Now, perhaps the dog was swimming away from Thailand so it wouldn't get eaten. I don't know. Just a thought. But apparently an oil rig crew, uh, you know, saw it and uh, they say they pulled him up by with a rope around the neck. I mean, there's got to... Just throw a rope around his neck. If he lives when we pull him up, then we'll save him. Otherwise, eh, throw him back in. He's lucky to get eaten by some some sort of predator in the ocean. But he's safe now. And he's going to be back, sent back to land. I think the whole idea of the dog uh, swimming away from Thailand was to get away from land. I'm going to take my chances not getting eating, eaten by a sea predator. For, for sure getting eaten by a restaurant in Thailand. There's no question. I'm out. Have a nice day. <laughs> and of course, to see, now this is what I'm saying. It's everywhere. All I got to do is see it everywhere now. And you can't even, you know, you can't even see a news report anymore without them making fun of the, of the story like this. 
The dog in Thailand is certainly giving new meaning to the phrase doggy stop, doggy paddle, excuse me. He was found swimming 135 <laughs> miles off the shore of Thailand. It is giving new meaning to the phrase doggy style, I will tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. There's no way around it. I, so <laughs> workers first spotted the dog last Friday swimming towards the platform. The crew was able to get okay. a rope around his neck and pull him up. They believe he fell off a fishing trawler. He's now in good shape and on dry land with an animal protection group. One I'm sure I'll be working with very soon. More news for 11. You you may be working there again, no question. The dog in Thailand. They're saying that uh, he he fell off a fishing trawler. No. No, he was swimming away from Thailand. He did not want to get eaten. That is clear. If you want to become one of the people that don't like police officers... And I, you know, I do. I'm a fan of police officers. No, no, really. You didn't believe that? But I said it. Said it. So a United Airlines pilot in Denver, Colorado, is in his hotel room. He's up on the 10th floor. He's standing by the window, talking on the phone, naked. Apparently, someone looked up and was able to see him naked. Which I, as as his attorney, I question that. But we'll go ahead and say, okay, so you looked up on the 10th floor uh, from the ground level at the airport. And you looked up and you saw what appeared to be a male naked standing in a window. And you called authorities. Now, the police show up. And the video of this, and, and I know for those of you, I, I won't play it because it's blurry. And you won't, if you're, wa- if you're watching chewing the fat it'll be too blurry for you so just i'll just tell you about it but the video the cop is a doesn't seem to be a nice man let's just leave it he's searching the room I, i'm like I, no you know what no no just from being naked you get uh, right searched. that's what i mean so he's you know indecent exposure okay yeah oh okay well what what is that so what and i get to be nude in my hotel room and, and I'm up on the 10th floor. Whoever's looking um, up is looking for this naked right. person. And I'm on the 10th floor. I'm, not, I'm obviously not standing in front of the window naked to get some sort of thrill. All right? I'm naked. I'm talking on the phone. I'm on the 10th floor. Uh, you know, whatever. So uh, he was arrested. Arrested for indecent exposure. Wow. He said he just woke up and he was about to take a shower. He's on the 10th floor. He's talking on the phone. And he even said in his interview, I did a quick assessment of my surroundings. Nobody outside. Yeah, because you're on the 10th floor. So, uh, you know, so the 10th floor, you're, I mean, you're doing some distance to look up, right? So plus daylight in the morning, hotel windows, I mean, the right angle, sure. Maybe you do. Maybe you do see the guy standing there naked or what appears to be someone standing there naked. I say, uh, so? Why is that upsetting to you? So anyway, uh, he got uh, <laughs> spent two days in jail. Two days in jail. That is Amazing. He's suing, right? He was suspended from United for six months. Six Why? months. Why? He's suspended from United. Amazing. Why was he now, suspended? Because he was arrested. He was in jail. He was arrested for indecent exposure. Right? 
Now, um, he is contemplating a lawsuit, and I would more than contemplate it because now, uh, last month, charges were dismissed. Uh, you know, the, the district attorney is probably friends with the district attorney here in Dallas. Yeah, we're not going to prosecute. That was silly. That's silly. Don't, don't even worry about it. We'll just, just drop the charges. So, I mean, are we that? That's where we're at. You can't even stand in your own hotel room naked. What is this world coming to? Wow. Okay, sure, the windows were open. So, sure, it was daytime. But you're on the 10th floor. <laughs> So he's probably going to end up, I saw where United Airlines is now going to launch their nonstop flight between uh, the U.S. and uh, Cape Town, South Africa. That's his flight from now on for the rest of his life. It's back, you're going back from Denver to South Africa, Cape Town. That's where you're flying to. But if you ever get on a flight uh, into Cape Town, if you, if you would ask them. Uh, yeah, we're going to land in uh, Cape Town, uh, South Africa. If you look to your right, you'll see the mountains of the, uh, the lion's head. Beautiful. If you look, uh, you look down to your left, you'll see uh, Shantytown. Uh, that's where all the poor people live, uh, just outside of uh, the main city of Cape Town. Uh, they work. Uh, they work for the rich white people on the coast. And uh, if, you, uh, if, you want, if you'd like to, when you uh, go through customs at the airport, if you had asked to see if they have Jeff Fisher's... Uh, fake a D number card, uh, that would be great, because uh, he was uh, lost it there in Cape Town uh, when he was in Cape Town, and he never got it back. Oh, yeah, wait. Oh, I mean, wait a minute. And uh, thank you for flying United. <laughs> so, you know, I found out that you don't need your fake knee card number. Like, well, they put the fake knee and they give you a card with your ID number on it, which I guess is uh, also emblazoned on my fake knee if I ever, you know, if they find my body, they can know who I am. But you're supposed to, when you go through the airport, well, they'll ask you for it through the airport. No, they don't. They don't. What they care about, you just go through the scanner. Go through the scanner, you're fine. That's all they care about. Yeah, I got a fake knee. All right, go through the scanner. They didn't care about the card with the little ID number on it. The whole thing, none of that. I don't care. And, and since they didn't need it, for some reason, I'd never picked it back up in Cape Town. And never got it back. A little disappointing. I don't have my ID card. Uh, so if you pick that up the next time you're in Cape Town for me, that'd be great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, they don't need they don't. They, every, every, I pulled it out twice on that trip. Both times. Uh, once, in, uh, once in Israel. Once in Cape Town. No. Well, it doesn't matter. But the Cape Town one is where I lost it because I was flying back from Israel to uh, back to London and back to the United States. And I took it out of Cape Town and the guy was like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care. We don't care. That's the trip. That's the trip where we flew from Israel and we stopped in Egypt for gas. When we were going to Cape Town, because that was our Israel trip, and Glenn was speaking in uh, uh, Cape Town. So we were flying from Israel to Cape Town, but we had to stop and get refuel, and we refueled in Egypt. They told us, don't open the windows on the plane. Don't look outside. They may or may not enter the plane, but if they enter the plane, just if they ask you a question, answer. If they don't ask you anything, don't say a word. 
So when we landed to refuel, you know, of course you got to open the windows to see what's going on out there. They didn't board the plane, but they surrounded it with military vehicles. I mean, it was like refuel and get out. No problem. Thanks, guys. Take care. Speaking of refueling, though, we might as well go to the break room. Oh, my gosh. I have nothing better. I'm telling you. Nothing better. I may have not mentioned it before, but cold Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Oh, my gosh. So good. All right. While we're walking over to the break room, let me tell you that uh, you need to subscribe. You know, you know what? You have to. You don't need to. I'm not asking you to. I'm telling you, you have to. All right, I'm asking. Subscribe to Chewing the Fat. Uh, we need the subscriptions. And it's just easier if you subscribe. Uh, during the day, you'll get a boop. You get alerted and you go, oh my gosh, there's Chewing the Fat. I've got to listen. Or you set it aside and you know you have to listen later. But it's there. You know when it arrives. On Mondays... You're going to get two. Mondays, uh, this next five or six weeks, will be you'll be alerted early, uh, early in the day, late morning, early afternoon. Boop. That'll be Talking Thrones, special uh, Game of Thrones edition that uh, Jason Buttrell and uh, my wife and I are talking about Game of Thrones. And then later at the regular time, late in the afternoon, you're going to get the second boop, and that's going to be Chewing the Fat. The regular Chewing the Fat edition. So subscribe. And once you subscribe, then you can play along and rate and review and share with your friends or share with people you don't like. I don't care who you share it with. Just share it. But I know you're busy and you've got a lot of things going on in your life. So I've made it easy for you. Uh, when you rate it, you just rate it 20 stars. And when you review it, you review it best podcast ever. And that helps other people realize that, oh my gosh, there's a, is that a... Other people, when they're looking around for podcasts and they're looking at top-rated podcasts, they go, oh my gosh, look at that podcast. It's rated 20 stars. And all these people say best podcast ever. So uh, I think I'll listen. So you need to do that as well. All right, so Netflix had to announce uh, where they were at uh, money-wise and subscribers-wise. They've got a little bit more than chewing the fat. Uh, Netflix uh, added added uh, 7.9 million paid subscribers uh, in the first quarter of this year. Uh, it's a, a few more than Chewing the Fat has. I'd like to catch up. Uh, globally, uh, Netflix now has 148.8 million subscribers. Uh, that's a pretty good business model. It's a pretty good gig. Um, I mean, they only profited, uh, about 344 million. Uh, it's a pretty good year. Um, you know, of course we, you know, they've got the competitors. Disney came out with their streaming service. That's going to be cheaper. You know, that's only going to be like seven bucks a month. Netflix raised their prices, uh, in the first quarter, which I was, you know, we talked about that and we're well aware of that happening, but the, you know, the app subscribership streaming world is getting pretty jammed up the roadway is getting pretty jammed up i mean netflix ceo reed hastings who by the way just stepped down from the facebook board uh he said eh, you know what this get, you guys are trying to be too much of a competitor to netflix uh, i need to get off of here i don't want anything to do with you anymore so he's not on the board of facebook anymore but he talks about uh, as viewers continue to cut the cord 
Uh, all players with high quality, uh, differentiated content will benefit. Uh, this is, was in his investor letter. Uh, he believes there's room in the streaming sandbox, not only for Netflix and Disney, but also Apple, AT&T, Amazon, and others. I would say maybe to that. I don't know that I 100% agree with Reed on that because we're starting to get to the point now where it's getting all jammed up and I, you know, there's only so much of my money to go around. And I will say that it's getting a little bit easier to cut the cord now. I cut the cord a while ago, and there was a lot of live TV I couldn't get, and that's when the cable company broke back into my house and put the cable boxes back in. I couldn't stop them. I, mean, <laughs> I tried. I said, no, look, stop. Don't put the cable boxes back in my house. I've already cut the cord from you people. And the next thing I know, there they are. They're in my house. So, okay, I had the cable again. But uh, it's. I think uh, that was because I was missing some live events, some live TV events. But I think now with uh, a couple of the right apps, I can be caught up with live events on television and not have cable and hopefully make it out cheaper with whatever apps I subscribe to. So that may be happening. I know the my wife has been busy uh, adding and subtracting the costs of what we're doing. <laughs> so cable company, be prepared. Uh, the last time when I cut it, though, see, when I last time, see, this is where they get you a little bit. When I told them, come and get it. It was cheaper to keep basic cable and internet because I wanted to keep the internet. So I, I said, come and get your cable. I don't want your cable anymore. I just want internet. Well, um, that's fine. But if you keep the basic cable with the internet, the deal will be cheaper. Okay, so we kept, you know, you keep the basic cable. That kind of rigs their numbers too. So it looks like you didn't cut the cord. You know, there's you didn't cut it completely. You're still on. You're still got. You still have subscribed to the cable company. So you know it screws their numbers up a little bit too, and for their benefit. Hulu uh, buying back AT and T's minority stake in the company. They're spending one point four three billion dollars. They're giving that money to AT and T. We're buying it back. I mean, that AT that was a good investment for AT and T. That like triples their money on Hulu. That's a good deal for them. Amazing. Uh, Jack Dorsey wants you to think differently, too. You know, I want to like Jack Dorsey from Twitter. I want to like him. But I don't know. You know, I listened to him talk. I heard him on the Joe Rogan podcast. And he was, I was okay. He was okay. I, I, I was all right with him. I, I, opened, I opened myself up to Jack Dorsey a little bit. But I don't know. The more he talked a little bit about this, too. He talked a little bit about, you know, he wants to root out widespread abuse and misinformation, make Twitter a healthier place, shift, you know, shift focus from specific people to tracking topics of interest. Well, look, Jack, that's not what the platform is right now. So why don't you just let the platform breathe and get off our backs? But that's not, you know, that's not going to happen. So... He spoke at a TED conference, and uh, he wants to. He said that uh, it's probably not a right call to make the follower count big and bold, or create likes. Uh, he said that that doesn't really facilitate healthy conversations because the likes and the follower counts—that's all that people care about. Well, yeah, and the same with your your verification process. 
And people, you know, those blue check marks used to mean something. And they, they still do to some of us that have it. But uh, he talked about how they're going to be able to log in and see uh, interests. And no matter what was posted, uh, you know, you'll be able to find entrance and see what's what's viral. And our major priority is fighting abuse. And Okay. Here's what you can do. Make sure people are aware that they can block people if they don't know it already. Uh, there's all kinds of ways. There's there's one way in particular that I can think of that uh, helps people get over the abuse. What is it again? Oh, I know. Don't read it. It's just silly. Just silly. And speaking of uh, apps and uh, cable and streaming services, HBO uh, talked about uh, the the Game of Thrones season premiere and the season finale i mean it's the last season of game of thrones i i told you we i do a talking thrones on monday and they talked about record viewership but they the numbers they gave in this story ah ah it didn't seem that much they said they had a record 17.4 million tuning into season eight premiere across all platforms all right uh hbo hbo now hbo go and linear and uh, they had 50% more viewers relative to season seven finale and 97% more compared to season seven premiere. Wow. So, I mean, Walking Dead, well, and I do a Talking Dead uh, podcast as well during the season of Talking Dead. And once uh, Game of Thrones is over, uh, talk, uh, Fear, Walking Dead, I don't be doing a podcast talking fear, by the way, just a reminder. But, um, and so that's why you need to subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. But uh, that's not close to the numbers that HBO made it sound like they were getting for Game of Thrones worldwide event. I mean, Walking Dead in their heyday of numbers, 17.4, they, they had more than that. And, you know, those numbers have dramatically gone down on cable, but they also have not given any numbers of what they're getting on between cable and their app because they got people buying the AMC app, too, which has has taken away from the cable viewing. So I'm a little disappointed, actually, um, in HBO unless and I'll do I'll, I'll dig in a little bit. Of, you know, HBO, call me. Uh, just call me. I'd like to see if this is just U.S. So I wonder if we get global numbers on that. So just call me. We'll work it out. All right. But ratings, I mean, amazing. We talked about Tiger Woods winning the Masters on Sunday. And, of course, you're going to watch it. Uh, Highest rated uh, morning golf broadcast in 34 years. Uh, CBS, I told CBS was happy. Tiger's playing. Yep. Okay. Ratings. I mean, that's. (laughs) <laughs> no question they want uh they want tiger playing they are happy to have tiger playing i uh, had the boston marathon this weekend uh you know i've kenya's uh lawrence chirono you know him i mean he's world-renowned distance runner uh he came in first by two seconds and for the ladies uh ethiopia's uh work nesh degegfa i don't have to t- tell you uh, she won. I mean, she beat everyone. She ran the last twenty miles alone. Well, there was nobody in her in her uh, in her race at all. Uh, and we had Pulitzer Prize winners announced uh, this week. 
The Wall Street Journal won for its investigation into hush payments to women claiming to have an affair with President Trump. (laughs) The South Florida Sun Sentinel won for its reporting of the Parkland shooting. And the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette won a Pulitzer for its coverage of last year's synagogue shooting. Reuters photographers got a prize for their pictures of migrants traveling from Central America to the U.S. Congratulations. Those pictures were amazing. There was that one shot where it showed like 5,000 of them coming and there wasn't one female. It was just young males. That was an amazing shot. And that other shot when they were breaking down the fences and storming the gates, uh, on the Mexico border. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so they deserved a, they deserved a Pulitzer for that. No problem. And Martha Stewart, uh, is selling her stuff. Uh, not quite as valuable as it used to be though. Uh, sequential brands group is selling, uh, the Martha Stewart living Omni media to marquee brands for $215 million. I mean, that seems cheap. 250 million they're saying that's what 40 percent less than what they paid for the company i mean 250 million that's a good deal for the marthas now maybe it's not a good deal because martha stewart you know <laughs> started to go downhill a little bit smoking dope with snoop dogg and uh you know so times are kind of tough so i uh, you know good luck good luck and god bless and peter Thiel, uh mr venture capitalist uh, you know, he bet on Facebook and Airbnb, Lyft, and Spotify. Those four alone, losers. <laughs> you never heard of them before after Peter Thiel invested in them. Facebook, Airbnb, Lyft, and Spotify. <laughs> so he's a pretty smart guy. He's putting $7 bucks into Bev. B-E-V. It's a startup that makes canned rosé wine. Really weird. But he claims that what he's trying to build is a company that could fight with the likes of Budweiser. Uh, canned rose, canned wine? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, beer is really struggling as it is with all the startups and the brewers all over the country. I mean, Budweiser is struggling. I don't know. That seems like a, that doesn't seem good. However, uh, Peter has not, you know, been wrong a lot. So. It might be a good deal. All right, a couple more stories before we uh, wrap up today. Uh, Thanks for uh, coming along for the ride today on Chewing the Fat. Um, One of the latest things, and I don't know if you're aware of this, and maybe you are. Maybe you're one of the people that are uh, using this. You know, we've talked a lot about... uh, you know, plastic surgeons and, uh, you know, work that people have, whether it's on their face or their eyes or, you know, their chin, their back, their butt, their belly, whatever it is. But, uh, and we talked about, uh, you know, men having uh, a thing enlargements. Uh, we talked about the diamond guy in France, one of the richest guys in, in, the, in the world, the diamond guys, uh, you know, was so insecure that he was having a, a thing enlargement and died because of it. Sad. But now, now, there's a way that you can avoid having a thing enlargement and still impress. All right? Um, there's, uh, there's a thing happening now that it's called a scrotox. You heard me. Scrotox injections. 
So what Scrotox is, is the use of Botox, uh, one of the three neurotoxins for muscle relaxation injected into your scrotum. Uh, it costs about a thousand bucks and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good, good deal for you if you want to, you know, impress. Now, the most common reason that guys are asking for scrotox is that their, um, their scrotum is, let's call it tightly contracted. You know, like when you get called out. So... I mean, we are in a sad place. We are in a sad place. But, you know, for hey, for a thousand bucks, might be worth it. And we had uh, Time Magazine uh, put out its annual list of the 100 most influential people in the world listed. Oh, yay. And, you know, uh, it's going to be a good list when right off the bat, you've got... Uh, You've got Christine Blasey Ford on the list. Thank you. <laughs> and the list continues on. I don't even need to. I don't even need to go down the list because you know that I started with that, and you can take a guess at who else is on the list. And it's going to be an impressive, impressive list of 100 influential people from Time Magazine. Uh, wow. And Christine deserves it, doesn't she? I mean, she got up and said things that weren't true in front of Congress and America. I mean, maybe they were true to her. No, I don't. Let's not get into that again. Okay. But just know that even through all of that, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed as Supreme Court justice. I know. It was almost too political. We just I, We could just leave it there and... Leave it at that. And I've got the story. You know, another story that, uh, oh, where did I put it? Well, here it is. As long as we're doing a little politics, I'll end you with this. It's not really politics, but it kind of is. Bill and Hillary are back speaking again. They're on tour. I thought that tour died, but apparently not. Because they've got one, two, three, four, five, six six more evenings with Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, they're coming up in uh, Connecticut, D.C., Boston. Then they go to British Columbia. Then they go to Seattle. And then they go out to Los Angeles. Uh, right? I mean, thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, Bill and Hillary Clinton. So the review of their the first one uh, was great at the Beacon Theater. And uh, one of the best parts of the review was that... Um, they had some great questions asked of them. If you want to go and see them, uh, they they did they, they were such hard, deep, thoughtful questions. Like, is the two state solution dead? How did it feel to watch the Bin Laden raid? Why are the Dems losing rural voters? How did you raise such an amazing daughter? I mean, if you think that that's deep, so about halfway through this first event. They had a heckler and this would have been me had I been to this event. But so the guy stands, the guy stands up, Bill, this is boring. Why don't you talk about, and then Hillary starts to grab the mic. Ah, 
I mean, I talk about it's important political conversations that we're trying to have. It can be difficult, especially when we're interrupted by such agent provocateurs. And the guy, as they're dragging the guy out, talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Talk about it. Let's hear about the sex island. There's the rest of it's boring. So if we could get more hecklers, I mean, I don't want hecklers. Let me rephrase that. I do. I'm not calling for hecklers at the Bill and Hillary Clinton's speeches and gatherings and questionnaires on stage because that would be wrong. But if it were to happen, I would say that the first one stand. This is boring. Why don't you talk about and then just start going down the list? And they'll drag you off. And as soon as they start dragging that guy off, you have another person. No, seriously, this is boring. And just see how many they could get dragged. That'll actually make the news. 